This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabil fil. ألم يجعل كيدهم في تضليل وأرسل عليهم طيرا أبابيل ترميهم بحجارة من سجيل فجعلهم كعصف مأكول رب الشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله we are starting today from the uh, fourth ayah of Surah Al-Fil. In our previous couple of weeks ago, actually, we had the discussion up to the third ayah, and we didn't have enough time left, so we skipped the conclusion of Surah Al-Fil. So we're beginning with the ayah, Tarmihim bi hijaratim min sijil. The first thing to note here is Allah Azza wa Jal sent upon them, which what we learned in the previous ayah, He sent birds upon them. In another surah, in Surah Al-Ahzab, to defend the believers in the battle of Al-Ahzab, Allah sent wind, wind against disbelievers. So Allah said, you know, We sent against them winds and armies you couldn't even see. So there are armies of angels, birds in this case, wind. So Allah Azza wa says, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ جُنُودَ رَبِّكَ إِلَّا هُوَ no one knows the armies of your master except he. No one knows the armies of Allah except he himself. So Allah Azza wa uses whatever he may, whatever he chooses to become his army. It can be wind, it can be angels, it can be birds in this case. Subhanallah. The thing, the, there are interesting vocabulary inside this ayah. The first word, tarmihim, is the present form of the word rama. Now this is a past tense incident. This, this is something that happened in the past. But tarmi is being used, the present tense is being used. When the present, the mudari' form is used to refer to something in the past tense, the purpose of that is to mention that something happened over and over again. In other words, they didn't just throw it once, they kept throwing. The pebbles, they kept coming down and kept coming down. So if, it, if, used, if the word ramat was used, ramathum bi hijaratim min sijil, it would just mean once, and that's it, they fell. But it seemed like it just keeps on coming like rain. And that is captured in the word tarmihim in the present form. Then the word rama yarmi, the origin of the word, doesn't just mean to throw or to pelt. The first meaning of it is to throw something from a distance. So by using that word, one of the things we're learning is that the birds were at a very tall height where they were dropping it from. And you guys know now, the higher something is and you drop it, the harder it falls, acceleration due to gravity. So these little pebbles are hitting like bullets by the time they're getting down to the ground. The other thing is, Rama includes, or this, this Rami in Arabic includes, something that is thrown, not just thrown, but thrown with a specific target that you're aiming for. And by using this word, Allah Azza wa is teaching us every single pebble, it's like Allah Azza wa targeted every single criminal that it's supposed to hit and where it's supposed to hit them. So it's these guided missiles that Allah Azza wa was sending with the word Tarmihim, that He sent against them. Then He says, Bihijaratin. He, he pebbled them with stone, and stones is a common word, but Allah qualified it with the words, min sijil. 
made of sijil. Now sijil is, there's a lot of discussion among mufassirun of the origin of uh, sijil. But we'll look at a few commentaries. The first of them is that this is one of the words in Arabic that became Arabic over time. But originally the word is Farsi. It's actually not from Arabic, it's from Persian. And the Persian word, the word is a, compo- it's a, it's a combination of two words, Sangegil. There are two words, and they became Sijil in Arabic. They fused together. And Sangegil is referred, in, in Farsi it refers to pebbles that are formed on the ground. You know how it rains? And the mud, it kind of forms these tiny petals when it dries up. So these are pebbles made of sand, really, that are baked in the burning sun. So it's really, in the end, it's nothing. It's dust. When you crush it, it's, it, it, there's nothing there. But these rocks, these little pebbles, they hardened up. And these were the ones that were used by Allah Azza wa Jal to destroy these elephants. That which, which in its origin is something essentially weak and powerless. Dust. That's what it is essentially. But when it comes to it, Allah can use that and birds to destroy armies of elephants. So, تَرْمِيهِمْ بِحِجَارَةٍ مِنْ سِجِيلٍ Now, additional commentary about as-sijil. فَأَخْبَرَنِي يُونُسُ النَّحْوِي Yunus the grammarian tells me, this is At-Tabari رحمه الله, he says, أَنَّهُ عَنْدَ الْعَرَبَ الشَّدِيدَ الصَّلْبِ This, as far as the Arabs are concerned, sijil is used for the kind of rock that if it hits you, it gets inside. It penetrates the body. That's, that's important because we're going to find what happens to them in the next ayah. So Allah Azza wa Jal said, and by the way, this is also mentioned, مَعَكُلِّ طَائِرٍ ثَلَاثَةَ أَحْجَارٍ For every single bird had three uh, rocks in its possession. حِجْرَانِ فِي رِجْلَيْهِ Two pebbles in its, in its feet, in its claws. وَحِجْرِ فِي مِنْ قَارِهِ And it, uh, a pebble inside its beak. وَحَلَقَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ And it heaped upon them from the sky. ثُمَّ أَرْسَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ تِلْكَ الْحِجَارَةِ Then he sent upon them these rocks. فَلَمْ تَعُدْ عَسْكَرُهُمْ Then their army was not even able to return. قَالَ بَعْضُ الْعُلَمَاءِ We further read some commentaries. Some of the scholars have said, تَرْمِيهِمْ بِحِجَارَةٍ مِنْ سِجِّيلٍ They continuously pebbled them with stones made of sijil, أي meaning مِنْ طِينٍ مُتَحَجِّرٍ مُحَرِّقٍ Or muharraq rather. That they are made of clay that, is, that forms pebbles and is baked and burned. Burned meaning by the sun. أو بِحِجَارَةٍ مِنْ جُمْلَةِ الْعَذَابِ الْمَكْتُوبِ الْمَدُونِ فِي السِجِّيلِ This is interesting commentary. The word سِجِّيل with a lam at the end, according to some scholars, has the same meaning as the word سِجِّين with a noon at the end. So there are two different words, سِجِّين and سِجِّيل. But some scholars argue that originally these are the same word. You know, these are the kinds of letters that in phonetics, in pronunciation, they can get confused with each other. Which is why when you're spelling your name to someone on the phone and you say N, they can confuse it with the letter L, right? So you have to say N is in Nancy or N is in whatever, and L is in Larry. You have to s- signify it. So in speech, some letters, they can be confused with each other. And in Arabic, when these kinds of things happen, sometimes the meanings are similar. Because of the similarity in spelling and phonetics, some ulama considered sijin and sijil to mean, mean the same thing. And sijin is the book of the record of the criminals. Kalla inna kitab al-fujjari lafi. Sijin, وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا سِجِّينَ This is the record of the criminals that is with Allah. It is this huge register, like a roster, like an attendance roster, that is being held in the depths of hellfire, and it has the names of the criminals and the punishments they're supposed to suffer. So some ulama looked at that and said, that this pebble, that this, they will be destroyed with this, is recorded in Sijin. In Sajin. So they, they paralleled it with that record that is with. This is a rare opinion. Nonetheless, I felt I should share it with you because it does occur in the scholarly literature. It is as though to say Allah had recorded the punishment of the kuffar in the Sajil, 
in the sajin which is sajil so they parallel these two things together kana al hijr idha waqa'a ala ahadihim nafata jaldahu ay ihtaraqa ibn abbas radiyallahu ta'ala anhu says when the pebble would fall upon any one of them it would swell up their uh, their skin that it would burn up in other words it caused some kind of infection not only did it hurt them but it infected their skin and it would burn up and they would you know it would look like their skin was burning fakana dhalika awwalu jidri and judra this is also said that the first time a plague hit the arabs especially arabs of quraish this was the first time they had a widespread epidemic uh, epidemic and it came from this attack and these rotting corpses and the 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 virus or whatever it was that allah had put inside these you know, these stones, it was like a chemical warfare kind of thing going on, you know. So, and this is recorded that this is one of the, the worst uh, calamities to ever have hit the Arab world, specifically in that region. Then, in regards to how these pebbles hit, in al Hajar, كَانَ يَدْخُلُ مِنْ رَأْسِ أَحَدِهِمْ وَيَخْرُجُ مِنْ أَسْفَلِهِ That the pebbles, they would enter into the skulls. And this is important because the skull is the hardest part of the hardest bone, it's the toughest bone to break. Right, and the only way you can bash somebody's skull really is like a bullet or something, right? It's something really hard hits it. But the pebbles would go into their skull and come out from behind them. It would go through them, and that's what the the uh, that's what the the eyewitness accounts are describing. Now we come to the final ayah. By the way, you notice already the language is very very graphic. It's very it's it's full of very strong, sharp, not very pleasant imagery. Right? Allah didn't just say He destroyed them, He is giving us really explicit details of how He destroyed them. You know why that's important? Because of the word kaifa in the beginning of the surah. Allah didn't just say what He did with them, how He did with them. And when you ask the question how, you are at, the answer comes with details. When you say what did you do, you could just say I ate lunch. When you say how did you do it, then you're describing details, you're giving details, you understand? So the, the graphic language in the surah is perfectly situated because of the word kaifa instead of the word mada. What did your master do? No, how did your master deal with them? How did he destroy them? So the answer is coming in this surah. Then we find these two words, asfim, faja'alahum, then he made them, he transformed them. Ja'ala in Arabic is used when you have something and you turn it into something else. Like you can take wood and turn it into a table, ja'ala. Not khalaqa. Khalaqa means you created out of nothing. But ja'ala, you took something and you made it something else. Okay? So for example, in, in Allah Azza wa Jalla says, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا He took you, He made you into a nation, a balanced nation. So you're already there, but He transformed you. So Allah is saying, these people, Allah transformed them. So that, and by the way, when ja'ala is used, some, someone was something else before and there's something else after. So they were a powerful army before. And now when Allah transformed them, what did they become? Now we'll find out. فَجَعَلَهُمْ He didn't say, فَجَعَلَهُمْ عَصْفٌ مَأْكُولٌ He said, كَعَصْفٍ مَأْكُولٌ كَ is used for tashbih. It's used to give likeness. He made them like. He made them like. So Allah wants us to compare what they look like to something you can see. This is also important. We're not there. We're not in front of these armies. We didn't see what happened. It's not on video. So Allah is presenting us video by means of His words. He's presenting us the imagery by means of His words. You want to know what they look like? Because I asked you to wonder, how did I deal with them? You want to know how they look like? Let me tell you, they looked like ka and then asf ma'kul. So let's look at both of these words one at a time. Asf in Arabic and asif especially is used for winds. 
winds that blow, you know, uh, cut off leaves that are, you know, these, these crumpled up leaves, especially in the fall, they're all over the ground. And when wind is blowing, you see them in the air. That kind of wind is called asifa, or rihin asif. Asif, literally, that which is blowing the, the, the leaves and the pebbles in the air. Asf is the, asfa actually, is the, the, the leaf of a tree that has been cut off and withered and broken up. That's what that is. Asf is also used for straws, because when the wind blows, what else blows with it? These, these tiny straws in the ground that are weak, they, they get plucked out, and they're flying all over in the air, right? So that's what the word asf is. But he says he made them like asf, but he added ma'kul. Chewed up, eaten. Ma'kul means that which is eaten. And asfun ma'kul was used by the Arabs, you know these, these camels or these other, these, uh, these other cattle, they're going around the ground, they're chewing on stuff, and the animal picks up a large chunk to chew on in its mouth, but some of it falls out. Some of it, some of it, it falls out. And the remains on the floor is called asfun ma'kul. So Allah says, you want to know what they look like? They look like those leftovers that the animal has chewed on and it just slipped out of its mouth and fell. That's what they look like. If you want to know how badly they were crushed and destroyed. The idea being, when an animal uses the full strength of its jaw to chew on it, and really crush it, grind it, and then it comes out in this goop on, on the ground, this is how Allah crushed these armies, and how He made them. This is one meaning of it. Then ma'kul also means that which is, not just that which is eaten, that which is supposed to be eaten. In other words, something that is, you know, ma'kul is something that is there, and it can't help itself, you're gonna go eat it. Like you know, an animal that is about to be eaten can at least run away. But straw or hay or whatever sitting in front of an animal, that food is defenseless. Its destiny is to get destroyed. Allah compares them to a helpless piece of food that has no option but to get eaten up by its enemy. It's like they had no escape. So asfun ma'kul is used. Allah says, this is the page of, or it's, the, it's a piece of, of cultivation, meaning a leaf or anything like that. He says that this is exactly what I was describing, that the wind blows and the straws come and the animals eat them. Or these are the straws that animals chew on. Then the commentary by Ash-Shawkani rahimahullah, أَيْ سَلَّطَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ تَعَلَى عَلَيْهِمْ طَيِّرًا That Allah imposed upon them these birds, تَرْمِيهِمْ بِحِجَارَةٍ That would pebble, that would stone them with sharp, uh, precise targeting, with stones, مِنْ طِينِ المتحجر, From clay that has been turned into stones, فَصَارُوا بِسَبَبِ ذَلِكْ صَرْعَى هَالِكِينَ And because of that, they became completely crushed, chewed up, completely destroyed. And Allah describes the state of them fi tamazzuqihim wa tanathurihim kahali awraqil ashjar. Allah uses this language to describe them, to poke fun at them. These people thought they were so powerful, and Allah compares them to the weakest thing. Not even a leaf that is connected to a tree, but a leaf that is plucked off of a tree. Completely weak. I mean, it's, it's the symbol of greatest weakness. It doesn't even take a force to move it, winds can move it. So Allah compared the strongest army to the weakest imagery possible. Then just a few brief comments in concluding this surah. We did make a lot of concluding commentary last time. Uh, just a, a few things just to go over. First of all, alam tara. That the, we have to remember that the surah began speaking to the messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, asking him to wonder, and by extension, asking all of us to wonder. This will be important when we get into ne- the next surah right now. The second is even though this surah is about 
Makkah. And it's especially about you know, protecting the Kaaba from Hadmihi, from its destruction. Allah did not mention that He is the Lord of that house of the Kaaba. He, le- he mentioned that He's the Lord of or the Master of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Alam tara kaifa faala rabbuka? Not Rabbu hadal bayt, but Rabbu ka. We were expecting the mention of the house because Allah protected the house, but Allah mentioned His Messenger, and we were expecting the mention of you know the house. Allah didn't, but in the next surah He did. فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ Connecting the two surahs together. And we'll study more of that connection inshaAllah ta'ala in a little bit. Then also from a stylistic point of view, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions a lot of words that have similar uh, uh, you know, uh, spelling structure. So they rhyme with each other. Feel, tadlil, sijil, ababil. We studied all of these words that even phonetically they compose with each other, giving the surah a rhythmic quality. And this is the feature of the Qur'an that even children appreciate when they memorize the surah. They can sense the rhyme scheme of it. Even if you don't know any Arabic, you hear Qur'an being recited and you can appreciate that. So, now that Allah Azza wa Jal has exposed His power and whose side He's on, by saying, Rabbuka, there are two things there. Your master has the power to destroy you with the most unexpected weapons. And he's on whose side? He's on the side of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So these are the two core side implications of this surah that lead us into the next surah. The next surah of course, Surah Quraysh. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahi ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Li'ila fi Quraysh. Ila fihim. Rihlata ash-shaytai wa al-sayf. Fal-yabudu rabba hadha al-bayt. Al-lazhi at'amahum min ju'in. Wa'amanahum min khawf. There are several things that connect these surahs to each other. The first of them of course is the last ayah of Surah Quraysh. Allah says, الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِنْ جُورٍ The one who gave them food despite hunger. And that concept of Allah providing food for Quraysh despite hunger is the, the central message of Surah Quraysh. But then He says, وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفٍ He gave them safety against fear. But which surah gave them safety against fear? The previous one, Surah Al-Fil. That's when they were in the state of fear and Allah still provided them safety. So the two things that conclude Surah Quraysh are the two core concepts of these two surahs. That's the first thing that binds these surahs together. What has been narrated is that Anna Umar qara'a fi salat al-maghrib fi raka'at al-ula wa-teen that Umar radiallahu anhu when he used to make maghrib in the first raka'ah he used to recite Surah Al-Teen wa-teeni wa-zaytun. And in the second raka'ah wa fi thaniya alam tara he used to recite Surah Al-Fil and Surah Quraysh together bila fasl or ghayra faslin baynahuma bi bismillah that he wouldn't even put bismillah in between them he would recite them as one we noted that is that was also the opinion of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu note that the sahaba don't do this because they think it's one surah they do this to illustrate the connection between the surahs so this isn't really, the ijma' is that these are two separate surahs. But they're doing this to illustrate how, how intricately connected they are. And we'll see why they say that in a little bit also. اعلم أن الإنعام على قسمين. This is Imam Al-Fakhr, رحمه الله. Amazing commentary about these two surahs and what connects them. He says the gift of Allah is of two types. أَحَدُهُمَا دَفْعُ ضَرٍ وَهُوَ مَا ذَكَرَهُ فِي سُورَةِ الْفِيلِ One kind of gift of Allah is to remove harm. Like a gift of Allah is if you're sick, He makes you healthy. That's a gift of Allah. A gift of Allah is you're hungry, He provides you food. You've got a problem, He gets rid of the problem. 
So that problem, getting rid of a problem is the kind of gift Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Fil. But then the second kind of gift, Jalbu Manfa'a, to offer you, to offer you good, to offer you benefit. And that benefit is mentioned in Surah Quraysh, where he provides them rihlat ashita'i wa saif. They can go and do caravans in the summer and the winter and provide all kinds of merchandise and goods back to Mecca and make a lot of profit and margins were huge for them in between. That's the benefit side. So removing harm from them in feel and adding good for them in Surah Quraysh. And of course, after this is done, when, when you acknowledge that Allah has done gifts to you, given gifts to you, if you have even, even an ounce of decency, you would worship Allah and become more of His slave. Because naturally, after you mention Allah's favor, then the natural consequence of that is that you want to be His slave. By the way, this happens all over Quran. The most easiest example to remember is Surah Al-Fatiha. First Allah mentions Alhamdulillah. Right? The first thing he mentions. He didn't mention Maliki Yawmiddin first, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim first. None of the Rabbil Alameen, none of that is mentioned first. What is mentioned first is, Alhamdulillah. What should, be, what should he be praised for? And what should he be thanked for? Is mentioned first. That, that attitude of ours. Once you have that attitude, it's easy for you to establish that he is your Rabb. So Alhamdulillah, Rabb. And then later on, Iyaka na'budu. So here Allah mentions his favors. So what's the conclusion? Fal-Ya'budu then they should be slaved, enslaved themselves willingly, and they should worship only the Lord, the master of this house. So it's a conclusion. Then Al-Farra, and this is interesting because you know, I think we had this discussion before in this series, but just to remind you, there are two schools of thought within Ahl sunnah about the, the, the sequencing of the surahs in the Qur'an. Essentially one argument is that the this sequencing of the surahs is only because of the ijma' of the sahaba that this has nothing to do with revelation, it's just the consensus of the Sahaba. Other scholars say, no, it is the ijma of the Sahaba, but it is also tawqifi, it's part of revelation. And we've had a detailed discussion about that before. But one of the scholars that was staunchly on the side that says, no, it has nothing to do with revelation. That there's no benefit in knowing this, the sequence of the surahs, because that is just an ijma issue, it is not a, an issue of revelation. One such scholar is Ash-Shawkani rahimahullah who is an ad, he's adamant opponent of the idea of divine sequence. But even in his tafsir, when it comes to this surah, he caves in and he says, Rahimahullah, هذه السورة متصلة بالسورة الأولى This surah is connected to the previous one. Quoting from Al-Farra. لِأَنَّهُ ذَكَرَ سُبْحَانَهُ أَهْلَ مَكَّةِ بِعَظِيمِ نِعْمَتِهِ عَلَيْهِمْ فِيمَا فَعَلَ بِالْحَبَشَةِ because Allah mentions the amazing favor He did for them in how He dealt with the people of Habasha. قَالَ لِإِلَى فِي قُرَيْشِ أَيْ فَعَلْنَا ذَلِكَ بِأَصْحَابِ الْفِيلِ نِعْمَةً مِنَّا عَلَى قُرَيْشِ We will have a detailed discussion about what He just said, but I'll roughly translate for you. He is saying the next surah begins, لِإِلَى فِي قُرَيْشِ Which is easily translated or commonly translated for for the convenience of Quraysh, or for the covenants of Quraysh. We'll discuss the word ilaf in a little bit. But the word for implies, what for? And he says it's connected to the previous surah. We destroyed the people of Habasha for the convenience of Quraysh. So he's looking at the conclusion of the previous surah, he turned them into chewed up straw, so that you could have convenience. So he's saying that the ending of that surah is tied to the beginning of the next surah, and this is reported by many a narration in tafsir history. وَذَلِكَ أَنَّ قُرَيْشٍ كَانَتْ تَخْرُجُ فِي تِجَارَتِهِمْ That is important because the Quraysh used to go out for their uh, journeys, and, and they used to head in Yemen's direction all the time. And if this army was to survive, they wouldn't be able to go again. So it was important, not only did Allah protect Mecca, but He also destroyed their army. 
so that their caravans would be able to continue. فَلَا يُغَارُ عَلَيْهَا فِي الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ And they would never be attacked and never be, there would never be an ambush against them in the days of Jahiliyyah. So now we turn to the beginning of Surah Quraysh. This was just a little bit about what connects the two. Of course you remember the other thing that connects these two is the dua of Ibrahim salam. We already talked about that, right? So Allah, Ibrahim salam asked Allah, رَبِّ جَعَلْ هَذَا بَلَدًا آمِنًا وَارْزُقْ أَهْلَهُ بِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ He asked that make this a peaceful city, that's Surah Al-Fil. And provide them from all kinds of fruit, take care of their provision. That's this surah. So, because of the prayer of Ibrahim salam, these two are also connected. But now let's begin with the word ilaf. The word ilaf. It comes from ulfa in Arabic, which means to have affection towards someone, to have a soft heart towards someone, to be easy with someone, or to, to have your feelings change towards someone for the better. In other words, something, that, something happens and your feelings towards someone change and you develop an affection, a love, a devotion, or dedication towards them. Right? That is ulfa. That's from which this word comes. That's the origin of the word. But that's the trilateral form, the mujarrad form. Thulathi mujarrad, alafa. But then the, the mazid fi form, there are two. Alafa from if'al and alafa. There are two different words. Alafa is used in Surah Ali Imran, for example. It says, فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَا قُلُوبِكُمْ تَأْلِيف This word means to make, to cause love to happen between you, two people. So Allah says, Allah is the one who caused love to occur between the believers. You know, so they used to be enemies. وَكُنْتُمْ عَلَى you know, عَلَى شَفَا حُفْرَةٍ مِنَ النَّارِ In that famous ayah of Surah Ali Imran, Allah Azza wa says, He caused love between your hearts. He uses the word أَلَّفَ but here, Allafa is not used. If Allafa was used, instead of finding the ilafi Quraysh, we would have found lita'lifi Quraysh. The word would have been different. But the, the infinitive form here is ilaf. Ilaf means to cause love also. But the, the, the reason I highlighted the ayah from Ali Imran is you need to know the difference between ilaf and ta'lif. Ta'lif is to make love happen over time. Ilaf is to have, make love happen between two immediately. Something happens that's so powerful that softens your heart immediately. You know, you have a rough relationship between two parties and something good happens and you get a little nicer, then something happens and you get a little nicer and over time you become nice to them. It doesn't happen overnight. Or another scenario where something so powerful happens that you're completely soft immediately. When it happens immediately, it takes no time, the if'al form, ilaf, that's used. When it takes time, then it's ta'lif. And Allah describes that between believers. Meaning believers didn't become brothers overnight. It took, it took some work. They are muhajirun, they are ansad, they were enemies tribally from before. So just because you said, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu, it didn't take all of your previous baggage away overnight. It takes time. You're human beings, right? It takes time. So that there alafa was used. But here ilaf, suggesting that the Quraysh have had so many, many things that Allah has gifted to them, that their hearts should become soft easily. There sh- it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't take them any time for their hearts to become soft. Allah miraculously protected them from an enormous army. That enough should make their hearts soft that they should want to pray to Allah. You know when something really, really overwhelmingly good happens to you, to someone who even have, has an ounce of faith, even if they're not Muslim, when something amazingly good happens to them, they feel the urge to want to thank Allah. And actually even if they, if they don't go to a church or a synagogue or a temple or even a masjid to pray, at the very least the words come out of their mouth, they can't even help it. Thank God. Thank you Lord. Thank you God. These words just come out of your mouth when something amazingly good happens. Well these people enjoyed some remarkable favor from Allah. That's why the word ilaf is used. Meaning, I did all of this so your hearts could become soft. 
So you could soften up. But when, because when the heart softens up towards who? Towards Allah. When your heart becomes soft towards Allah, then it will be easy for you to be Allah's slave. If your heart hasn't become soft, you can't be Allah's slave. So Allah mentioned the softening of the hearts in ilah first, and then later on, فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ Then they should become slaves of, to, to the, the master of the Lord, the Lord of this house, the master of this house. So the slavery, the worship is mentioned later, the softening of the hearts is mentioned first. And here we're learning something remarkable about human psychology. We will turn to Allah when our hearts have become soft. And if you find it's hard for you to turn towards Allah, Probably the reason is, your hearts haven't become soft yet. Or you haven't really acknowledged the favors Allah has done to you, that should cause your hearts to become soft. The other meaning of ilaf, as I mentioned in the first lesson on Suratul Fil, you know when we talked about Ashabul Ilaf, the four brothers in the ancestry of Quraysh, who made all those agreements, and they were called the people of ilaf, because they softened up the hearts of these other nations to do business with them. To not look at them as enemies, to look at them as business partners, they have to soften them up. By the way, this even happens in the business world today. You don't just go and sign a treaty, you go out to lunch. Right? You go and the executives have lunch and they shake hands and they, you know, they'll, go, they'll have a budget for entertaining the executive. Or to put them in the executives. All of that for what? To soften them up a little bit. That's why that, that word ilaf is used there too. So Allah is saying, Azza wa Jal, I, did, I destroyed your enemy for you. I destroyed him for you. So your, your trade agreements from the past could be retained. That all of those trade agreements would not fall into ruin. Because if Abraha's plan succeeds, then all of those agreements are gone. They're finished. So that's the secondary meaning of the, the word ilaf here. Then just about the, word, the letter Lam in Li Ilaf, that first letter Li, four, that there's a lot of commentary on this. And Yakuna Ma'na Al-Kalam, we're gonna go to the Basri grammarians. The, there are two schools of grammar. There's the Basri school, there's the Kufan school. And they both had different conclusions about this Lam. So we'll look at both of their conclusions. The Basri's first. And Yakuna Ma'na Al-Kalam, that the meaning of the speech would be, فَفَعَلْنَا بِأَصْحَابِ الْفِيلِ هَذَا الْفِعْلِ نِعْمَةً مِنَّا عَلَىٰ أَهْلِ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ That we did this to the people of the elephant, what we did with them in the previous surah, in other words, as a favor to the people who live in the surroundings of this house, وَإِحْسَانَ مِنَّا إِلَيْهِمْ And as a favor from us towards them, إِلَىٰ نِعْمَتِنَا عَلَيْهِمْ فِي رِحْلَةِ الشِّتَاءِ وَالصَّيْفِ in addition to the other favor that they can go in caravans in the summer and the winter. In other words, their understanding is that this lamb is connected to the previous surah. As opposed to this, by the way, when we look at the, the, the Kufan school, they say, إِنَّهُ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَلَىٰ عَجَّبَ نَبِيَّهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ That Allah Azza wa Jal is making His Messenger, be, um, he's, he's amazing His Messenger. The word li in Arabic can be used to express amazement. So the Kufans are saying, you don't have to look at this lamb connected to the previous surah. You can look at this lamb as by itself. And then the meaning would be how amazing that Allah softened the hearts of Quraysh. How amazing it is that these people, you know, they, they do all kind, all manner of crime against Allah. Against the people, they bury the baby girl, they cheat in business. And against Allah, they do all forms of shirk. Especially at the house Allah built for Tawheed, they do shirk, which is the worst kind of crime. And even then Allah wants to soften their hearts. How amazing is that? How amazing is Allah's mercy? So the lamb they look at is, uh, look at it in the form of lam at ta'ajjub. That's how they look at it. Lam to amaze. This is an amazing thing that Allah does. What an amazing extension of mercy Allah is giving these people. That's how they look at it. 
اعجب يا محمد لنعم الله على قريش في إلافهم رحلة الشتاء والصيف be shocked O Muhammad at the favors of Allah upon Quraysh in, in giving them the convenience of traveling in the summer and the winter Ibn Zayd explaining this relationship says again he connects it to the previous surah so we'll skip his commentary but he says specifically towards the end that Allah thoroughly he says actually the entire surah Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabil fil that first ayah alam yaj'al kaydahum fi tadlil wa arsala alayhim tayran ababil every one of these ayat are connected to li'ila fi quraish what that means is he, they, they themselves their hearts became soft because how Allah destroyed them then the plans of the other failed so their covenants their, their treaties should be should remain intact every part of the ayah has a benefit to soften the hearts of the quraish that's what he's man, uh, uh, referring to. So this ta'ad, lam of ta'ajub, let's look at some more commentary about it. اِعْجَبُوا لِإِلَافِ قُرَيْشِ إِحْلَةَ شِتَعِ وَالصَّيْفِ وَتَرْكِهِمْ عِبَادَةِ رَبِّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ This is amazing commentary. How shocking is it that Allah wants to soften their hearts and does them so many favors, and yet they abandon the worship of the Lord of this house, this house that their ancestor built so they could worship the right Lord. How shocking is that? So they use that lamb of ta'ajab to express Allah's amazement with these people. How can they do such a thing? الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِّن جُوعٍ وَآمَنَهُمْ مِّن خَوْفٍ Despite the fact that He provides them in their time, in, in, against hunger and gives them safety against fear. Then the third implication, أَن تَكُونَ هَذِهِ اللَّامِ غَيْرُ مُتَعَلِّقَةً لَا بِمَا قَبْلِهَا وَلَا بِمَا بَعْدَهَا that this lamb could be disconnected with what is before it and what is, what, is, what is after it. In other words, it's just saying the only purpose we gave the, the Quraysh, the convenience of traveling, is that they should become more grateful and their hearts should become soft. This is a very important lesson. Without getting into the Arabic, I'll just share this with you. What, what this, the, the essence of the argument is. You see, the Quraysh are the custodians of Allah's house. So they're supposed to, and, and Ibrahim made dua to Allah that the people all over the world, their hearts should be softened towards this house. Okay? That the people, people's hearts should have this affinity towards Allah's house. And all believers know that they have that softness towards Allah's house. And if you've never been there, your heart desires to go there. You want to go to Had, you want to see Allah's house. But the people who are custodians of it should have the softest hearts. They should have the softest hearts. But the thing that makes your heart hard is worldly occupation. You're busy making a buck. You're busy trying to provide for your family, things like that. So you're pre so busy in dunya, you don't have time for worshipping Allah and your hearts become hard. So Allah makes their life so easy, they don't have to do anything that the other tribes have to do. The other tribes barely survive. So if these people were a starving nation, then they would only be worried about food and protecting themselves and they wouldn't have, have any time to worship Allah properly. So Allah got rid of their other concerns and gave them economic prosperity. So their minds would not be occupied with that stuff. Now they can concentrate on worshiping Allah. You know, there are two kinds of people that, have, um, uh, that amass good wealth. People that have made good money and have good salary. You can do two things. Either if you have good salary, you can become even more engrossed in dunya. You have good money and you say, might as well go all out. Party, make, the, make my entire life a big party, right? And you're constantly looking to add more luxuries in your life. And make more money out of the money you already have. Or you could say, man, I'm doing well. There's food on the, on the table, there's a roof over my head, I'm doing well enough. So you know what I need to do? Now that my time is freed up from having to seek dunya, 
and Allah has provided me enough, I can take breaks and study Allah's deen and worship Him and maybe take 10 days off and make ihtikaf in Ramadan because if, even if I don't make that extra bonus money, there's still enough in the house. We're doing okay. So I can take some extra time out. I can do some extra worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And no one should do that more than the custodians of Allah's house is the essential argument. You know, this, this came to mind. I don't mean to knock on physicians or anything. So don't take this personally if you're a physician. But I have a physician who's a friend who works part-time. You know, he's got a couple of kids, he works part And he makes good money. He makes like a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year. Decent salary for a part-time physician, right? And so somebody asked him, why don't you work full-time, man? He goes, yeah, I could work full-time and make 600,000, 500,000. But I'm doing okay with 200,000. And I, I need the rest of the time to memorize Qur'an and to teach my kids and to spend time with them and to do things with them. So why should I, you know, what am I going to make this money for? If I, well, Allah has given me enough and I can do other, better things with my time and spend my life in a more meaningful way, then why not? Allah didn't create me to make more money. You know, He created me for another purpose. So if I can survive doing less and do more meaningful things, why not? You know, what a beautiful answer. Because you know what I find? People who do make a lot of money, you know what ends up being sacrificed? The family. They don't get any time. You're too busy making the money. You're too busy going out and, you know, get it, doing the overtime, and then sacrificing the vacation. And you're never, and you, by the time you come home, the kids are already asleep. But before you leave for work, they are, you know, they, they're not even, they, they haven't even woken up and you're gone, so you don't see them. And you see them on weekends, but you're too tired because you've been working all week, so you don't get to play anything with them. Whenever they come to spend time with you, you say, go to your room, didn't I buy you enough toys already with all that money I made? So go, you spend time with those toys, right? And these kids are completely distanced from you. They don't have anything to do with you except your money. And by the time they get older, and they're independent, and then you have a little bit of time, you've retired, or you want to spend some time with them, and you say, talk to me son for a little bit, they say, I, I gotta go dad, I don't have time. You know what you did to them when they were little, they're doing to you when they get older, and you're shocked. And then you come to the imam of the masjid, brother, my son doesn't talk to me. I don't know what to do. My daughter doesn't, doesn't even look at me. Every time I try to talk to them, they say, I'm on the phone, I'm busy, I can't talk right now. Well, you bought him the phone. <laughs> and you bought him the unlimited plan too, right? So, so who, who are you blaming, right? But the idea that, that I'm trying to present, that third concept, is that Allah softened their hearts because they more than anyone else need to be economically concern-free so they can devote themselves to the worship of Allah's house and taking care of that house. That is why Allah gave them all of these luxuries. SubhanAllah. What an amazing concept. Now next time somebody enjoys good wealth, they should think about why is Allah giving me this wealth? And what am I, how am I using it? What am I doing with it? SubhanAllah. Now the, the three possibilities of lamb, as, as far, actually there are two possibilities, we'll just go over them briefly, because I don't think there's too much benefit in the, the technicalities of the surah, uh, even though there, there are a lot of subtleties, but we'll, we'll gloss over them inshallah ta'ala, and get to the juicy part inshallah. So the, the first thing I want to highlight here is lamb al-uquba, lamb al-uquba, that this lamb has been understood as a lamb of consequence. In other words, because Allah softened their hearts, فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ Because of that, they should enslave themselves. Allah gave them all of these things and softened their hearts and made it easy for their hearts to be softened. And because of that, as a consequence, if, not gonna, if you're not gonna thank Allah for any other of His favors, at least thank Him for this one. At least this one. And then this, enough should be, uh, this should be enough for your hearts to be softened towards His worship. Then, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, 
you know, actually we'll go further than ilaf, we'll go to the word Quraysh now. We did enough on the lam, lam al-uquba, lam al-ta'ajjub, we did with lam al-ta'ajjub, that it's shocking that they did this. Lam al-uquba, that because Allah did this, they should worship Allah. So the falya'budu becomes jawab al-shart, it connects to that. Or this lam is connected with the previous surah, that Allah gave them these things because of, and, and Allah destroyed Quraysh so that they could have convenience and ease. So there are three implications of that lam. But now we're coming to the word Quraysh itself. Why are they called Quraysh even? You know, the word Quraysh comes from taqarrush. Taqarrush in Arabic means to gather people from very different distances. This is important because the tribe came together how? You remember the history? They came from all over, and they had settled all over Arabia, they had come, and then they settled, they were brought together, unified together. So one of the reasons they're called Quraysh is because they were a gathering of very dispersed peoples. That's one implication. The second is that the word Quraysh comes from qarsh. Qarsh, I'll, I'll read the Arabic definition, huwa dabbatun azima fil bahr, ta'bithu bis sufun. It's a huge beast in the ocean. They call it a huge beast, we call it a whale. Or we call it an octopus or something, right? These legendary creatures that can, that can destroy ships, that can annihilate ships. Wala tutaq illa binnar, and cannot be overpowered except by fire, which is impossible because they're in the water, right? So they're, they're, it's very hard to fight these creatures. And so they're called, they're, Quraysh is the ismu tasghir from Qarsh. Meaning Qarsh is the word used for that whale or that, that beastly animal in the ocean that can't be fought, that is scary. And the other description of it is, when, when Ibn Abbas was asked, بِمَا سُمِّيَتْ Quraysh, Why are they called Quraysh? بِدَابَةٍ فِي الْبَحْرِ تَأْكُلُوا وَلَا تُؤْكَلْ Because of the beast in the ocean that eats but is not eaten. It's so powerful, it eats but it is not eaten. And it overpowers, but it is not overpowered, and that's what Quraysh are. They eat, but they're not eaten, they overpower, but they're not overpowered. That's why they call Quraysh, so connected with that term, Qarsh. This, this is a poem. That Quraysh is the one that lives in the ocean, and because of it, Quraysh is called Quraysh. But it's ismu tasghir, which what that means is it's it's a means of making a word smaller. You know, like there's the word Hassan, Hassan, and a little Hassan is called Hussein. So you put a ya in between. So abd, abd, a little abd is called Ubaid. Qarsh, a little Qarsh is called Quraysh. So this is the format used, the ya in between with the fatha before it, that is used for ismat tasghir. But tasghir can also be used to magnify, to have the opposite effect. This is a feature of Arabic. You can call something small, referring to it as something big. And this is kind of, you know, play on words. We do this with like a really tall person, we say, hey short stuff, how's it going? Right? Or if you have a really, really skinny kid and you say, hey fatty, come over here, you know. You're, you're playing with words. Is, that's the idea. So ismat tasghir is used to magnify them, that they are no joke. Oh, you mean little Quraysh? What they mean by that is big, that big beast of a tribe that lives among them. وَالتَّصْغِيرِ لِلتَّعْظِيمِ وَقِيلْ مِنَ الْقَرْشِ The final meaning of Quraysh, it comes from Qarsh, which means to earn, وَالْكَسَبْ work, work hard and earn. And they're called that, لِأَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا كَاسِبِينَ بِتِجَارَاتِهِمْ وَضَرْبِهِمْ فِي الْبِلَادِ And they're called that because of their business, their trades, constant trading, and because of their traveling in the land all the time. 
Tying up the concepts of the first ayah, let's look at it bit by bit. The first thing I want to share with you, the destruction of Abraha's army allows for a few things. It allows for the covenants of Quraysh to be retained, and it confirms for the rest of the Arabs the sacred status of the Quraysh. If the Quraysh, somebody was skeptic, yeah, these people are custodians of Allah's house, but how do we know they're really sacred people that we shouldn't mess with? Well, Abraha tried to attack them and he got owned, so we can't. It confirmed that superstition. So everybody really respects them now because nobody's gonna mess with them after Abraha was destroyed trying to attack them. So it set a precedent for them. And then the Quraysh to acknowledge, so the, the, the first meaning, the, the first benefit was that the business would continue. The second was the people around would have a renewed respect for Quraysh. And the third, hopefully Quraysh themselves, their hearts would be softened. And then it was only for the purpose of getting them to worship Allah that Allah facilitated their economic conditions. This is the second basic lesson of the, the ayah, the first ayah. That the only reason Allah gave them these luxuries is that they could facilitate for themselves and others the worship of Allah. And that the entire hearts of the world would be softened towards this house, that their hearts themselves be softened. The other important lesson here is, this surah is in the third person. Allah doesn't say, لِإِلَافِكُمْ يَا Quraysh. He didn't speak to them, He spoke about them. When you speak about someone, third person. When you speak to someone, second person. But notice the previous surah began in the second person. Alam tara, didn't you see? You is second person. So Allah is continuing the conversation with His Messenger wasallam, and talking about the Quraysh but not to the Quraysh. So who's He talking to? He's talking to His Messenger wasallam, while the Quraysh can hear Him. Now when someone can hear you and you're still not talking to them, this in Arabic is called tab'id. In other words, you're ignoring them. You know they can hear you, so the expected thing is you talk to them. But instead of talking to them, you're talking about them to someone else. While they can still hear you. This is done when you're not happy with someone. You know, if one of my daughters, but two of my daughters are sitting in front of me, Husna and Waliya are sitting in front of me, and I'm upset with Husna. And I'm talking to Waliya, and I say, you know, so Husna just doesn't listen, huh? She can hear me. I could just tell her, you don't listen. But I'm looking at Waliya and saying it. So what does Husna feel? My dad's ignoring me because he's mad. You understand? That's tab'id. So Allah is expressing His displeasure with Quraysh by not talking to them, rather talking about them. That's the benefit of the third person rhetorically in this surah. Again, the concept is called tawheed. The next ayah, إِلَى فِيهِمْ رِحْلَةَ الشِّتَاءِ وَالصَّيْفِ The second ilaf. So there are two words, twice the word ilaf is used. لِإِلَافِ قُرَيْشْ إِلَافِهِمْ Again, the word ilaf comes up. Why, this, why the two ilafs? There are two uh, purposes of it. The, uh, some argued that this is badal. Badal means that you replace one word with another word. That is grammatically incorrect. Because you don't replace one word with the same word. Badal is to replace one word with a separate, another kind of word. Okay, so that, that concept doesn't apply. So I won't even explain to you what badal means. Those of you who know grammar, know what badal is. Instead, the first implication of this ilaf, the second ilaf is litawkid. To, to emphatically declare. In other words, Allah says, for the convenience and the softening of the hearts and to keep the covenants of Quraysh that were made with others, did you just hear me? I said because of those covenants. Allah said it again. The ilaf, the word ilaf came up again. As though, you know how you do this in English? Did you hear, did you hear what I said? You know, you, you call somebody and you say, the saints won. The saints! You say it again. What does that mean? You're highlighting it. You're making them... Did you just realize what I said? You know? 
this repetition is done in classical Arabic also. Sometimes we look at the technical terms, we forget that this is language. And language, some parts of language are the same in every language. Repeating something to emphasize is something you do in every language. And that's done in classical Arabic also. So Allah is emphasizing, did you just realize what I said? Ilafihim. For their convenience. For their ilaf. That's one benefit of the repetition. The second is, min al-am ila al-khas. The first softening of the hearts, some ulama comment, that this is all kinds of things Allah did for them. You know, the, the, the convenience that was given to them as far as destruction of Quran, the, the Abraha's army, the fact that Allah gave them the house of Allah, that should have softened their hearts. The fact that they are from the lineage of Ibrahim, that alone should soften their hearts. The fact that Muhammad wasallam is born in their midst, that should soften their hearts. There are several things that should soften their hearts. So the first ilaf is general. But the second ilaf is specific. If all of those things that should soften you up are not enough, ilafihim, which one? Rihlata shita'i wasayf. Then at least this one, more than anything else, this one. This is the one Allah is highlighting. The, the caravans of the summer and the winter. This rihlata is nasb for the grammar students here. It's in the nasb state. Why? Because this is maf'ulun bihi. The word uh, ilaf is a masdar acting like a verb. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, this would be motivation for you to learn some Arabic. Okay, so this, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't feel bad, just get motivated to learn some Arabic. Because you'll really benefit from this stuff. So Allah is saying they're, they're, uh, the, the convenience of it, or the convenience that they were given, so that they can have rihlat al-shita'i was-saif, or, or that convenience to have rihlat al-shita'i, the, the, the caravans of the summer and the winter. Before I tell you where they travel to in the summer and the winter, we need to know why, why Allah used the word rihla. There's many words for travel in Arabic. Safar, to end up far away from your residence. It's called safar in Arabic, safara. Not just travel, to end up really far away. So if I went from here to like, Maine or something, that would be Safara or Canada or something, right? Saha, to travel for vacation or to travel for luxury, to go to somewhere pleasant, that's Saha, another different kind of travel. Ta'ana, to constantly travel from one, uh, one spot to another, to keep on moving around, right? That's Ta'ana, like a tour, like a team goes on a tour, right? That's Ta'ana. Yawma Ta'nikum, for example, Allah says. Nafara, to go travel to fight somebody. Then Rihla, Rihla comes from Rahl. Rahal means merchandise, literally means merchandise. But specifically merchandise that you have when you, baggage when you have when you travel. Rihla means a travel, a journey in which you carry a lot of baggage. You pack a lot of bags. That is called Rihla. Specifically that word is used because when they go on their business trips, they pack a lot of bags to sell. And they bring a lot of bags to bring back and sell in Mecca. So these are loaded trips. Now, the people who loot caravans, they could spot this guy, this guy and the camel. If we rob him, the only thing we get is a camel. Right? That's all he's got. But then you have other caravans that are loaded with bags. And you know, the, the camels don't have trunks. So the, all the merchandise is exposed. Right? The car, you have something in the trunk, nobody sees. Right? But the, when you travel with a lot of baggage in the olden days, everybody can see it. So what do you think? What's the bigger target? The, one, the, the, the caravans without baggage or the caravans with loaded baggage? Allah uses that word specifically to highlight, even though you were carrying tons of bags, traveling in the middle of the desert, nobody's robbing you. Nobody's coming after you. This is a convenience Allah gave to you. That alone should soften your hearts. فَكَانُوا إِذَا شَاءُ 
Whenever they wanted, they would go on this convenient journey. And whenever they would want, they would stop. See, every other tribe, they had to go to make, to go these dangerous caravans, because they don't have a choice, they're gonna starve to death. But these guys were doing economically so well, ah, we don't wanna go this year. They just stop, they just take a break, no problem. And whenever they want, they go. Whenever they want, they come back. They look at their convenience. فَكَانَ ذَلِكَ مِنْ نِعْمَةِ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِمْ This was this was certainly a favor of Allah upon them. عَنْ إِكْرِمَةِ إِكْرِمَةِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ says كَانَتْ قُرَيْشٍ قَدْ أَلْفُوا بُصْرَةَ وَالْيَمَنِ They used to go towards Busra and Yemen. يَخْتَلِفُونَ إِلَى هَذِهِ فِي الشِّتَاءِ وَإِلَى هَذِهِ فِي الصَّيْفِ And you should, they should switch. They used to switch it up, going to this one in the winter and that one in the summer. فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ فَأَمَرَهُمْ أَنْ يُقِيمُوا بِمَكَّةِ Some argue that Allah is criticizing them for traveling and saying, don't go travel, just take care of Makkah. Don't worry about it. But you're, you're too worried about, worried about getting business from outside, it's coming to you anyway, because people from all over used to come to Makkah anyway, so you need to be more worried about taking care of the house of Allah. كَانُوا تُجَّارًا فَعَلِمَ اللَّهُ حُبَّهُمْ لِلشَّامِ Allah, some Mufassirun commented that they were business people and Allah exposed how he knew their love of traveling to Sham, to Syria. Because they used to talk about that in their poetry all the time. Then this shita' was safe. Essentially, most Mufassirun comment, they used to go to Yemen and to Sham, to Syria. In the, in the winter, they used to go to Yemen because Yemen is very hot. right? So they would go there in the winter because they don't want to go there in the summer, it's too hot. And Syria was a cooler land, so they used to go there in the summer. Right, so they would pick and choose. Now, the other thing to note here is the sequence. Allah mentioned summer first, and He mentioned, or actually He mentioned, He mentioned winter first and summer second. This is important. Winter is associated with a lack of produce, vegetation, cultivation. When does it happen? It happens in the summer. What is the peak time for business? Summer. And when is downtime? Winter. This is the ancient seasoning. This surah is about them being provided for miraculously. Them being provided for miraculously. So which provision is more miraculous? Having provision in the summer or having provision in the winter? The winter. So Allah mentions the winter first, subhanAllah. And the, the other commentary that we find, At-Tabari rahimahullah and Al-Qurtubi also commented on this saying, that the winter is associated with hunger because there's not enough produce. And the summer is associated with danger because in the summer all the, the looting caravans would be out. The Arabs were somewhat accustomed to hot climate, but they were not used to cold climate. So they would stay indoors in the cold climate, but they would come out and try to attack other tribes in the warm climate. So Allah mentions the economic problem first and the safety problem second because the surah is predominantly not about the safety problem, this is about the economic problem. So the winter is mentioned first and the summer is mentioned second. Then rihla is in the singular form. The word rihla, it's not rihlatayi ash-shita'i was-sayf. There are two caravans, right? One goes in the summer, one goes in the winter, so there are two caravans. But Allah mentions the caravan or the traveling of, but not the two travelings of. Instead of making it two, He made it one. The reason for that, from a rhetorical point of view, is that the travel was continuous. It was like one journey. They bring the merchandise from Syria, they come back home, sell a little bit of it, and move on and sell that merchandise. They got that merchandise from there, they're gonna take it all the way to Yemen and make a lot of money selling it there. Then they get the goods from Yemen, and they come back home, and they immediately head out to Syria. So it's, it's really like one journey. So Allah made it, he combined it together, min al-ilbast. It's, it's hovering, it's like it's, it's uh, continuous travel for them. Then, uh, actually we did this one already, let's move on. Why ash first, as first? We talked about that. 
and finally about the caravans. Hiya mansuba ala dhurfiya wa rihla al iftihal. The other meaning of the other purpose of rihla being in the nasab form is some argue that it could be in dhurfiya, uh, it could be dhurf makan because it's alluding to a location. That's why it's in the nasab state. So we move on to the next ayah. Fal yabudu rabba hath al bayt. Interestingly, like I mentioned before, first Allah mentioned the softening of the hearts in the word ilaf. Then he mentions worship in fal yabudu rabba hath al bayt. Zamakhshari commenting just on the fa in fal yabudu, just on the fa. Ala ma'na, it produces the meaning. Anna ni'am Allahi alayhim la tuhsa. That the favors of Allah upon them cannot be counted. Fa illam ya'buduhu li sa'iri ni'amihi. Then if they have, been, they have failed to worship him and enslave themselves to him for all of his favors, fal ya'buduhu li hadihi al-wahida. Then they should at least worship him for this one favor, allati hiya ni'matun zahira. That is obviously the manifest favor of Allah to them, which helps their economy survive. Now, وَقِيلَ هُوَ مُتَعَلِّقْ بِمَا قَبْلَهُ It's also been said that it's associated with what came before. أي meaning, فَجَعَلَهُمْ كَعَصْفِ مَأْكُولِ إِلَى فِي قُرَيْشِ That it's connected to, you know, this, that they should worship Allah's house, because, or the master of this house, because to protect this house, Allah destroyed the army of Abraha. That alone should be enough. So two comments he's making is, one, they should serve Allah, they should be enslavement to, in enslavement to Allah, because of the economic prosperity he's given them, and two, because he destroyed the army of Abraha. Those two reasons are enough for them to be in worship to Allah Azza wa Then, Isharatan ila awwal surah again the, the same thing Imam Razi comments that this is this is alluding to the first surah Suratul Fil فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتَ الَّذِي قَصَدَهُ أَصْحَابُ الْفِيلِ that they should worship the Lord of this house that destroyed the people of the elephant and, and remove that harm from them القونة الثاني now we come to the second that لِإِلَافِ uh, I did mention this before, but it's important to refer to it again. You know how the surah began for the convenience and for the softening of the hearts of Quraysh? Others say that that for is connected to فَلْيَعْبُدُوا In other words, so that their hearts should be soft, they should worship the Lord of this house. Or they should worship the Lord of, or the master of this house, so that their hearts should be soft. So the, the, the two are connected together, lazim and malzum, with each other. Now the final and really interesting ayah. الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِنْ جُوعٍ وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَيْفٍ By the way, I, I mentioned, I skipped some things because I've talked about them before. Allah Azza wa says in that surah, فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ This house. Of course, referring to which house? The Kaaba. Why mention that house? Because Ibrahim salam inaugurated that house. And it is that house that gives them their superior status in all of Quraysh, keeping their covenants intact. It is that house that they were able to go to different regions of the world and tell them, you need to give us business because everybody comes to us because that house is located here. It is that house that, kept the, that destroyed the army of Abraha by Allah's blessing. It was protecting that house. And it is that house that Ibrahim salam built, and when he was building it, he prayed, give them safety and prosperity. Right? So everything you're enjoying is because of that house. Why don't you thank and worship and enslave yourselves to the master of that house? The other thing here that's really subtle and beautiful, is Allah didn't say, فَلْيَشْكُرُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ He could have said, then they should thank the Lord of this house. Because when a favor is done in response, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to thank. But Allah is teaching us the only way to thank Him is to be His slave. That's how you thank Him. That you enslave yourself to Him and you worship Him. Saying thanks or feeling thanks is not enough. 
You have to be his slave. You can have people that say, God is so great, man. I thank him for so many. Not enough. Not enough. Because the favors Allah does to you, the, the only expected, the first expected response is that you enslave yourself to him, you become his slave. عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنه الذي أطعمهم من جوع ابن عباس رضي الله عنه says in regards to this ayah يعني قريش of course referring to قريش أهل مكة بدعوة إبراهيم عليه السلام even he says that you know this uh, Allah provided them against or gave them food despite their hunger is in response to the dua of Ibrahim when he said وارزقهم من الثمرات and provide them from all kinds of fruit. Zamakhshari commenting on the, the nakira form, the tanween on ju, like ju'in and khawfin, the tanween, about them. tankir fi ju'in wa khawfin li shiddatihima. That the tankir on both of them, the nakira on both of them, is to say that they were protected from, Allah gave them safety against the worst kinds of hunger and terrible, terrible fear. And he goes on to say, أَطْعَمَهُمْ بِالْرِحْلَتَيْنِ مِنْ جُوعٍ شَدِيدٍ that he gave, he gave them food by the two caravans. Which caravans? Which two travels? The travel of the summer and the winter. Sham and Yemen, right? Those two. كَانُوا فِيهِ قَبْلَهُمَا Because before it, they used to be in severe hunger. وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفٍ عَظِيمٍ And he gave them safety against a huge or a terrible fear. وَهُوَ خَوْفُ أَصْحَابِ الْفِيلِ And it's of course the fear, you know, assaulted against them by the people of the elephant that we talked about last, uh, last time. أَوْ خَوْفُ التَّخَطُّ فِي بَلَدِهِمْ This is important too. Or the fear of being snatched, kidnapped, in their own land when they travel. إِذَا ارْتَاحُوا When they travel. Why? Because Allah says, أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْا أَنَّا جَعَلْنَا حَرَمًا آمِنًا Didn't they look, didn't they realize that we made this a safe city? وَيُتَخَطَّفُ النَّاسُ مِنْ حَوْلِهِمْ While all around them people get nabbed. <laughs> all around them when people get tra- they travel, يُغَارُوا أُغِيرَ عَلَيْهِ you know, every, every time a person travels, it's known that he gets kidnapped, he, get, you know, he actually plans for it. <laughs> a, a few days I'm gonna spend in you know, being kidnapped and being looted or whatever. They would leave a little bit with him so he can get all the way home, make some money, come back so they can rob him again. So they wouldn't kill him the whole way. This would be, almost became like you know, a, a feature for them. Subhanallah. So, but this was a norm for them. nas, And Allah protected them from both of those fears. The other thing about the word min here, it's very important that Allah says, الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ The one who gave them food, min ju' Not ala ju' Against hunger. No, min. The word min has several benefits. Min qila ta'liliya. One is it provides the meaning of because of, despite. Despite hunger, he gave them food. In other words, it is clear that this city has no cultivation. وَادٍ غَيْرِ ذِي ذَرْعٍ It's a valley that has no produce. It cannot produce anything of food for people to survive here. So the normal state of this place is hunger. And so miraculously, despite that hunger, Allah is providing for them. Allah is providing for them. And then min with khawf, again, shockingly, this min is of ta'ajjub also, shockingly, this place has no security of its own. These people cannot protect themselves. And that became abundantly clear with Abraha. And nonetheless, Allah provided them, He gave them safety, amanahum min khawfin. Against fear, that is the normal state. They should be in a state of fear. They should be in a state of fear. But Allah Azza wa Jal kept them from, from being lost in that fear. 
The other word, the other desperate, the purpose of min is tab'id, to distance. Meaning Allah put hunger far away from them. And Allah took fear and put it far away from them. So they are far from even thinking about food. And far from even thinking about fear, because they have full confidence that Allah will protect them. Some really subtle things before we conclude inshaAllah ta'ala. Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ we will test you from anything that comes from fear and hunger. What did he say first? Fear or hunger? Fear. He said, we will test you with fear and then with hunger. But in this surah, what did he say? الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِّن جُوعٍ وَآمَنَهُمْ مِّن خَوْفٍ So here he mentioned hunger first and fear second. But in Baqarah he mentions fear first and hunger second. Surah Al-Baqarah dealt with the battle of Badr. The battle of Badr is about to happen. And in battle, what's the bigger concern? Fear or hunger? Fear. وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ Fear is the bigger concern. He mentions that first. And of course, one of the consequences of war is economic deficit. So hunger is also mentioned, but mentioned not first, but second. This surah was not about, uh, it was not about war. What was it about? Economic conditions. Economic, con- what comes first? Hunger comes first. What's associated with economic conditions? Putting food on the plate. Putting food on the table. So here, hunger is mentioned first. Look at another place in the Qur'an. وَضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلًا قَرْيَةً كَانَتْ آمِنَةً مُطْمَئِنَّةً يَأْتِيهَا رِزْقُهَا رَغَدًا مِّن كُلِّ مَكَانٍ Allah gives an example of a nation, a, 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 a town that used to be in peace and used to be tranquil and satisfied. And its provision used to come from it freely from every direction. فَكَفَرَتْ بِأَنْعُمِ اللَّهِ Then it disbelieved in the favors of Allah. فَأَذَاقَهَا اللَّهُ لِبَاسَ الْجُوعِ Then Allah made them taste the, food, the, the garment of hunger. Then He says, وَالْخَوْفِ And fear. In that surah also, this is in Surah Al-Nahl, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions hunger first and fear second. If you were listening to the translation of the ayah, what was Allah talking about? Provision. Allah gave them provision. Is this discussing economy, economic conditions or safety? It's economic conditions. There also hunger is mentioned first. So, لِكُلِّ كَلِمَةٍ سِيَاقٍ For every word there's a place. The place to say hunger first, Allah mentions hunger first. The place to mention fear first, Allah mentions fear, fear first. This is a remarkable feature of the Qur'an. To be so subtle to even the sequencing of words. What should come first and what should come second. The other thing is I mentioned to you, which season... Which season was associated with hunger? With not being able to produce? Winter was mentioned first, hunger is mentioned first. Which season was associated with being looted and robbed and fear? Summer was mentioned second, fear is mentioned second. You know how perfectly the surah correlates? Subhanallah. Shita was saif, and here ju' and khawf. Ju' and khawf. Subhanallah. Beautiful subtlety in the language of the Qur'an. Finally, uh, inshallah ta'ala, just uh, concluding these comments on this surah, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions these two things. The word, uh, uh, you know, ju' literally means hunger. Ju' literally comes from hunger. The one who's extremely hungry is called jaw'an. And specifically this word is used because it correlates to the dua of Ibrahim alayhi salam. The wording is perfect, you know. Ibrahim alayhi salam didn't just say provide them money, amwal. Get them, give them lots of money. And the opposite of being ghani and wealthy is faqir, to be in need, to be in need, or miskin. 
So Allah didn't say, الذي, you know, آتاهم, He gave them, you know, من المسكنة, من الفقرة, من الفقري. No. He used you, hunger. And hunger is associated not with money, but with food, right? Hunger is associated with food. Beautifully. When Ibrahim asked dua, he said, provide them all kinds of fruit. He mentioned food. And Allah mentioned, I kept you from being hungry. Even there, there's a correlation. And you appreciate here how beautifully and precisely Allah answers the dua of Ibrahim salam in his words. الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِنْ جُوعٍ وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفٍ Incredible language. Now the last thing, inshallah ta'ala, I said that was the last microscopic commentary. Just as an overview, these two surahs are intricately connected for several reasons. One of them, the favor of Allah. Two kinds of favors of Allah, removing harm and adding benefit. Removing harm was in feel, adding benefit was in Quraysh. This is the only two kinds of favors. Either He removes some harm from you, or He gives you some benefit. So covering Allah's favor from both angles. Then the prayer of Ibrahim salam give them safety, give them prosperity. So one, one surah offers the safety, the other offers the prosperity. Then third we talked about is how th- these two surahs are connected in that softening the hearts of Quraysh, two things were done. Two things were done. One, destruction of the Abraha army. Two, the provision of them that they could travel back and forth however they pleased. The stage has been set. Allah's favor upon them is complete in these two surahs. Now it is expected of them to, to become Allah's slaves, right? That's what's expected of them. What we're going to learn next week inshallah ta'ala is, did they meet this expectation? Because the next surah is a commentary on what their reality is. After this favor has been done to them, not before. After this favor has been done to them, what is their reaction? How are they living their lives? This is going to be Allah's commentary on how they live their life. Read Surah Surah Al-Ma'un on your own next time so, so you can see Allah's commentary on them and you'll already see the connection between these surahs. With that we conclude. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ni wa iyyakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.